Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Charles Stanley has a great statement. If you listen to him, watch him teach. He says this a lot. Here's his, probably his number one statement. He says this, obey God and leave all the consequences to him. That's what God's saying to Samuel. No, just obey me. I'll take care of the consequences. And maybe you're out there tonight and God's told you to step forward and you're a little fearful. No, obey God and leave all the consequences to him. He'll work it out. Are you one of those people who likes to be in control of their lives? If you answered yes to that question, You're like all of the other people in the world. It's hard to hand your life over to God to really trust Him to guide you because He might want you to do something that's uncomfortable, that stretches you in ways you didn't anticipate. Pastor Mark will be teaching about what Saul could have been had he remained obedient to God, contrasted with what David was able to achieve because the intent of his life was to obey God. While David did get off track, his heart attitude was always to be close to God. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Samuel chapter 16 as he continues his message, The Life of David. God will make sure all the plans take place. So God had a little part here with Samuel. Charles Stanley has a great statement. If you listen to him, watch him teach, he says this a lot. Here's probably his number one statement. He says this, obey God and leave all the consequences to him. That's what God's saying to Samuel. No, just obey me. I'll take care of the consequences. And maybe you're out there tonight and God's told you to step forward and you're a little fearful. No, obey God. And leave all the consequences to him. He'll work it out. He will work it out. Your plans, if they're God's plans, will succeed. Absolutely. Just step out. Let God take care of it. Now, what was God saying to Samuel in verse 2? Was was he kind of saying to Samuel, well, just give him a little white lie. Just give him a little lie. Just take a heifer and kind of make it a deceitful kind of thing that you're going down there. Now, listen to this. William McDonald says it good, and I think it's really good. Secrecy is not the same thing as deceit. God was not telling Samuel to lie about his intentions in Bethlehem. He really did offer a sacrifice there. But the anointing of the new king was a secret affair not to be made public for many years. You see, there's sometimes... If you would ask me about certain things that happen behind closed doors or whatever, some of those things I can't tell you about. And that's not deceitfulness. That's just, you don't need to know about some of those things. Parents very often talk about things. They can't tell all the children about all those things. So that's all that was happening here. It was not the time 
for the whole world to know that King David was going to be there. So it was kind of a secret thing. So by performing the anointing in Bethlehem, while officiating a sacrifice, there wouldn't be the suspicion from Saul. What's he going down there? We'll learn later. Bethlehem is not in the normal circuit where Samuel would go and offer sacrifice. It's outside of that circuit. So that wouldn't raise all this kind of thing when he finds out that he is taking a heifer there. Well, I guess God told him to go there to do whatever. And he did, and that's why he's going there. So the anointing, which you're going to see later, is really understood probably only by David and Samuel. The rest of the family doesn't seem to really get it. It won't raise that suspicion of Saul. Now, look at verse 3. God continues, invite Jesse to the sacrifice. By the way, this is important. This isn't written down from God. Samuel doesn't get up in the morning and have an email from God with all these things. God is talking to Samuel. My sheep know my voice. Powerful. Powerful. So invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I'll show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I, there's another I, I indicate, the sovereignty of God. Now, what did God promise to do? Let me ask you a little question as we move through. What did God promise to do when Samuel arrived at Jesse's house? Did God make any promises to him? Hello? Are you, are you asleep or are you out there? Did God make any promises? What did he say? I will what? I'll show you the what? The next step. Some of you are tonight are going, well, what if uh, I do that step? Then, then what if? What's God saying to us tonight? I'll show you when you get there. He already knows what it is. But see, that's not walking by sight. That's walking by what? Faith. God is only pleased when we walk by faith. Because he wants us to learn to trust him. You're beginning to see that. So I want you to write this out. You know it by heart. But sometimes we forget it because we want all the answers up front right now. Following God is simply a day by day, realistically, a moment by moment. It's a relationship. So I have to have my ears open to God, not just in my quiet time in the morning. Because all day, I want to be in conversation with God. Prayer, two-way conversation. And I've been trying to practice that more often. Because sometimes, you know what it's like when you do your devotions in the morning quiet time? You write in your journal, you close it, and off we go. I kind of want to leave it open during the day because I want him to be speaking to me all day long because we have conversations. Stop and speak to that person. God, I need help in this situation. Today, Linda and I are on the phone with some things, doing some insurance stuff and all that kind of stuff, and we're praying, God, we need you to give us direction. We need you whatever all day long. See, when there's problems, we pray, don't we? When there's not a problem, it's like, see, God, everything's pretty cool. See you in the morning. So God allows all this messy stuff in our life so that we're always, what? Interacting with him. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. So God says, I know who I'm going to anoint. So Samuel, start out. I'll give you more information. Now, I began to think about this. How did God know to choose David? When did he start making that up? How did he understand David's heart? You're going to see, I mean, all through this, what do we see? David has a heart after God. How did God know that? Well, answer, 
God's all-knowing. By the way, as he goes down the rows of this sanctuary tonight, and he stops in front of you, does he know what your heart looks like? He stopped by anybody go, hmm, boy, I don't know about that one. I'm not sure. I'm not sure there. No, he's got it all, doesn't he? He knows. He knows our hearts tonight. He knows your heart tonight. You know what's even better than that? He knows it, and he still loves me. Hallelujah. Verse 4, Samuel did what the Lord said. In spite of fears, he obeys and steps out. And he heads off to Bethlehem. You know this statement. We say it often. When God speaks, we step. When God speaks, we step or we obey. Step out in faith. Step out in expectation. I was wondering as he headed off to Bethlehem, what was going through Samuel's mind? Wonder who's God chosen? Who is the next king? This is not, now that he's gotten past that, it's like, this is exciting. I want to see what God's going to do. So step out in expectation, step out in purpose, and step out fulfilled. Because we're simply the servants of the Lord. Verse 4, Samuel did what the Lord said. And when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town, (laughs) I love it, trembled when they met him. And they ask, did you come in peace? Because Samuel's visit was unexpected, outside the normal circuit, the elders of the town are thinking, now why would a prophet of God come here? There's only one reason. Judgment's coming. What did we do? It's like at work, somebody come by, well, we're here to evaluate how things are going. Well, what do you mean evaluate? that's what these guys are thinking. The only reason Samuel's here, uh uh-oh, we're in trouble. Interesting, two weeks ago, we stood at a kibbutz, and we overlooked the city of Bethlehem, which is about six miles from Jerusalem. In those days, Bethlehem would have been an exceedingly small town, and of course, the home of Ruth, Boaz, and the property there, and From those, the family of Jesse descended, and then, of course, David, one of the sons of Jesse. And from that, all the way through, the Messiah. Amazing things. So Samuel replied, yes, I've come, but I've come in peace. And they're going, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Now consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons, And he invited them to the sacrifice. Now, when they arrived, Samuel saw the first son, Elibed. He saw him. And he thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. Now, what are we discovering? Something that shows us, this is important, the humanity of Samuel. Samuel, the prophet, arrives, and he looks at this first son, and he goes, first son, that means something, oldest, good-looking, tall, got it together, and he judges with human discernment. He goes, I already know who it is. That's the guy right there. That's him. That's the guy. So what is he looking at? He's looking totally on what? He's looking totally on the outside. 
100% on the outside. He is definitely operating by sight, and he's not operating by faith. He's actually moving ahead of God. He's already got the man elected. He's going to pour the oil over him. Now, we don't want to be too hard on Samuel, do we? Why do I say that? Because very often, this is the way we operate. I want you to think about that. I started writing things down. When you and I started looking for a spouse, we're all done already, aren't we? Did you go to her and go, what kind of heart do you have? I mean, you could be as ugly as a stick, but what kind of heart do you have? Well, you have a good heart. Hallelujah. I want to marry you. We can't be too hard because let's be honest. And I thought about this. All the years I was a boss. I mean, I'm a boss here, but I don't do too much hiring. All the years in pharmacy, I hired all these people. What did I look at before I even met them? I looked at their resume, their picture, looked at all the, where they've been, how much education they had, where they were, what kind of things they did or whatever. And as I began to move through, by the way, God began to speak to me about this a long time ago as a boss. I used to been pray for the right employee that I would hire the one God wanted me to hire. Now, that was hard for me because I was trained the other way. Now, think about this. Do you know, even in the church setting, if we're not careful, we will select leaders and teachers and elders and pastors and we're getting ready to do the school of ministry again. Those guys have to go all through this application. How do we do it very often? Well, let me show you how we do it very often. It's called the power red tie. How many are familiar with that? Yeah, you're familiar with it. So when you interview, we're the power tie. We laugh, but that's very, very much what the way the world does it. So... I remember very often, of course, a lot of people used to say to me, how in the world did you become a director of pharmacy? You're 5'7". I said, well, the same thing that short doctor over there did. (laughs) What, do you want a doctor because he's 6'5 or something? He can't even do anything with his hands, but you'll take him? No. So we used to joke with that a lot because, by the way, how do we do things? Salespeople are known. It should be this way. And this way, super good looking, all the other things, because they're in sales. Couldn't be a short little guy like me or whatever. But see, we're used to that. Do you know that can happen in churches today? I won't ask coming in to raise your hand if you've been in a church that voted in the deacon board and voted in pastors. But do you know how often we voted those people in? Because they were influential people. They had money. They look good, or they preach once good. You see, God doesn't, God doesn't approve of that. He always looks at a person's heart. So I want to challenge us tonight. When you and I are thinking about a man, he has to be tall, good-looking, fit, nice hair, buff, GQ-ready. Pastor, that's the pastor I want. Well, Bye. <laughs> I'm out of here. Women, not too tall, foxy, cute, perfect makeup, latest fashion. But the Bible warns us, nothing wrong with those things, but the Bible warns it. We're not that way. Someone talked about this, and maybe you've heard it. What, what did the Apostle Paul, one of the most influential men in Christian history, 
Ever wonder what his appearance was like? There is some literature, apocryphal, which obviously is man's ideas, but I think it's interesting. I want to read you some of it. A document that's uninspired, unauthoritative, contains teaching contrary to scripture, but sometimes there's a little, there's a little bit of truth in as you read it. Here, here's what was said, quote, the apostle Paul was a man small in size, bald-headed, bandy-legged, well-built with eyebrows meeting, <laughs> rather long nose, full of grace. For sometimes he seemed like a man, and sometimes he had the countenance of an angel. If you've ever heard Gail Irwin, he'll do a thing with the Apostle Paul. Oh, I'm the Apostle Paul. I'm here to teach you. You know, you go like, what? But the guy was the most powerful teacher that we ever see in the Scripture. Why? Because it was the anointing of God from a heart that was turned to God. So be careful, because most of us are really nobodies. We're kind of average-looking people. As we get older, we're not even average-looking people. And <laughs> Do you know tonight the Apostle Paul, to be honest, the Apostle Paul, if he was to be here tonight in many churches, he'd never, ever, ever be accepted by a pulpit committee. But God saw his heart. God doesn't leave us to the outward. When we're talking about elders, pastors, what do we have from the Scripture? Not 5'9", not 7'3", not, you know, 174 pounds, buff. What do we have? We have 1 Timothy 3, and we have Titus. And what do they talk about? Talk about the character and the quality and the spiritual aspects of the man and woman. Right? Wife should be the same. So we have to understand that. Now, look what happens. Verse 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider, here's another correction, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. You'll see how that plays out later when we talk about David on the field facing Goliath. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. So even though Samuel looked at that son and thought he was the one, Samuel the prophet was wrong. He would learn that God looks on the heart, even though man is always focused on the external, the only part really we can see. So again, God corrects Samuel. Trust me. Know my ways. I alone know the heart of men. Now, how do we get that as we watch for God to be raising up new elders, new pastors? How do we do that? Well, we ask for something that the Spirit gives us. We go through all the other qualifications, but we ask for one thing, a spirit of discernment. That the Holy Spirit can take our eyes past all the things that we seem to see we can do those. We should do those. They match First Timothy 3 and Titus. But then God can give us a spirit of discernment. That is the right one. That's the one. Now's the time. And that comes from the very Spirit of God. Because he's the only one, the Holy Spirit, that can guide us into all what? Truth. 
So you wonder how elders come or how pastors come. That's the role that we play. We look at all the qualifications on the outside, inside, character, and so forth. And then we ask God for a spirit of discernment. Is that the person? And that's how it works. And this day, God's chosen him. Boom, he's just going to tell him. Here it is. So a principle, especially to you that are parents and raising children. In this world, this is definitely not a world principle. This is a godly principle. Write it down tonight. The outward man is not nearly as important as the inner man. Now, that doesn't mean, you'll see later, it doesn't mean we leave our outwards go and we just, somebody look and go, you got to be kidding me. Look at that person, unkempt, never exercised, way overweight, you know, whatever, all those kind of things. No, no, no. We try to do what we can with what we have, but it, that's not our focus. That is not our focus. It's on the inward part. Now, when God looked at David, he saw a heart after him. And I don't have time tonight, but just to spew it out quickly, over the teaching of David, we'll talk about this. But I want you to look at your own heart tonight for a moment. As God looks at your heart tonight, what does he see? Does he see a hearing heart? A heart tuned to the voice of God? Does he see an obedient heart wanting to obey God's will? Does he see a soft heart fearing God? Does he see a teachable heart, like Samuel, wanting to learn the ways of God? Does he see a compassionate heart, seeing people as God sees them? Does he see a wise heart, understanding the difference between the wisdom of God and the wisdom of men? And does he see a trusting heart, 100% sold out to the will of God? That's what you're going to see. From King David. That's what I want in my heart. And then Jesse called Abinadad and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. You wonder where the little earplugs came from, from somebody outside the room speaking. This is the first place in the Bible you ever see that. Samuel has a little earplug. Son walks by and God speaks into his ear. That's not the one. Pass on by. These people are thinking, what are you listening to? I'm listening to God. I'm just joking with you. But look how current he hears God's voice. They're passing in front of him, and he's hearing God's voice. That's powerful. That's current. That's 24-7 hearing the voice of God. Because he's getting answers. That's not the one. That's not the one. That's not the one. It was done in real time. And Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. And here we get down through the list. Jesse had seven of the sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So Samuel has that hearing ear. He's now teachable. He's now going, uh-oh, I chose the first one. That was stupid. I'm shutting up and listening to God. And he did. He was teachable. Today, Pastor Mark taught about the difference between how people choose leaders and how God chooses them. It's interesting that David's dad didn't even regard him highly enough to include him in the lineup. It appeared that Jesse and Samuel had the same eyesight problem. Fortunately for Samuel, when God corrected him, the lesson was learned. 
There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, we will complete this second part of the series, The Life of David. Pastor Mark will continue to stress the importance of heart attitude over physical appearance or any of the other metrics man uses to judge leadership potential. He will also share some of the characteristics that David did have and how they suited him perfectly to become a king in Israel. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, The Life of David. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Let us hear your lessons.